my fellow Americans, and the people who brought me the dance, Delawareans. A story of faith, hard work, and resilience. Delaware's own Joseph R. Biden Jr. will serve as the 46th president of the United States when he's sworn into office in January. The people of this nation have spoken. They've delivered us a clear victory, a convincing victory, a victory for we the people. We've won with the most votes ever cast from presidential ticket in the history of the nation, 74 million. In 1988 and again in 2008, President-elect Biden put in his bid to lead this country. Instead, he served as vice president during the Obama administration for eight years, earning a national reputation as an empathetic consensus builder. To those who worked alongside Biden during his days as U.S. Senator for Delaware or as a friend, there was never any doubt about his destiny simply because of the impression he left on the lives of everyone he came across. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. I'd like to welcome our very first guest, Representative Krista Griffith, to Whip Count. I understand you represent District 12, which includes Greenville, Hocaston and parts of North Wilmington. One would assume you would have some really good stories because Joe Biden is one of your constituents. And that's exciting, I must say. It's so exciting. I have to tell you. So the 12th representative district is amazing. What's really amazing is no matter where I go, no matter who I talk to in this district, everybody else has their own personal and wonderful stories. Yes. You know, I clearly remember two years ago when I first ran for office, and I remember that first election day, how nervous I was and how, you know, it's it's somewhat scary. You know, you're running for office. You don't know what the outcome's going to be. I was running against a 24-year incumbent, and, you know, we we fought hard to win the the race. But again, it was election day. We didn't know it was going to happen, and we were out greeting voters at AI DuPont High School, which is in the 12th district, and up walked Joe Biden because he was going to vote. It was important for him to vote that day. And so he stopped. He saw me. He stopped. He greeted me warmly, encouraged me, told me that, you know, how great he thought our campaign was doing and how proud he was. And he took a lot of time to say hello to my family, which meant so much to me. He said hi to my dad and my husband, my brother and sister-in-law and all, and many volunteers of the campaign. He he spent time with us and, and told us stories about his own political experiences and the importance of keeping going. And it, it meant a lot to me that day. It just gave us such a boost of energy. It was a yes. horribly rainy day. It was like one of the worst rainy days, and it was poured all day long. But he was the sunshine. I swear, it just felt like this. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. I have a picture of us, um, and it, you know, other umbrellas and everything. But it didn't matter. It was just. Uh, it was. It was really encouraging and. It was a, a nice point of that day. And so I understand that was about 2018 when you ran for office. 
Now, that wasn't the first time you came across him, I hear. Tell us you've worked with Biden's son, Bo, when he was the attorney general and Vice President Joe Biden just walks in your office. Yeah, it was really quite something. So I had the honor of serving as a deputy attorney general under Attorney General Bo Biden for eight years for his two terms in office. And and the second term, it was the second and his second swearing in, his second inauguration, and it was January probably 2011. And we were all working. It was the afternoon. I think we had finished our cases in court, and we were in our offices. I was at my office. I'll never forget it. Um, at my computer, like working on a motion, and who walks by and starts to knock at my door. But I look up. It's Vice President Biden, and he says, "Hello. I'm just uh, popping in to say hi. Thanks so much for." Serving, uh, you know, uh, for, for working for Bo, it means a lot to me that dedication that you and your colleagues are give to this office. And for us, that just meant so much. It was, you know, obviously I just said it was an honor working for Bo and we were thrilled to be working for him. But it was just extra special that his dad took the time to walk through a, a, our office that day and, and greet everyone and really get us uh, motivated for his second term in office. So that was exciting. And at that time, Joe Biden was serving as vice president of the United States. So he was in his first term as vice president. You can almost write a book. <laughs> you can really almost <laughs> write a book, Representative Griffin. I'm because... sure there's going to be be a book with Joe Biden stories, I imagine. You know. Yes, because he spoke at your graduation and you were in law school, correct? Was it your... Yes, yes, that's true. So I graduated from Suffolk University Law School in Boston, and our commencement speaker was then Senator Joe Biden. Um, that was around 2005. And, you know, I remember his words to us then as we were leaving law school to go out and practice, and he was encouraging. So I would say that, you know, various points of my career, I've had great experiences of being inspired by Joe Biden, you know, first as a law school graduate, then working as a deputy attorney general, and then in my first bid for office. So we are very lucky here in Delaware to have such leadership. It's, 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 it's really quite something to, to, to be able to have so many experiences where you're directly inspired by someone who is so prominent. Joining us now is House Speaker Pete Schwartzkopf, Now, during your days in law enforcement, you were around then-Senator Biden quite a bit. What stories can you pull out of the memory bank for us? Well, I've got a couple things I'd like to say about Joe. But uh, one, you mentioned uh, that I was a state trooper, and and that is correct, for 25 years. And uh, I was around and knew Joe, you know, through name only at that point in time. But I also knew how much of an impact he had on law enforcement by passing the Violence Against Women Act. And it changed the way that law enforcement dealt with domestic violence in our state and change it for the better. We were police officers handling cases and without any direction. And basically a lot of it was just not being handled properly. And when this bill passed and everything, it, it changed the way we handled it for the better for the uh, victims of domestic violence. So, however, what I want to tell you is a story about when I first decided to run for office in 2002, I decided I was going to run for office and uh, I received a phone call out of the blue and, I answered the call and he said, hey, Pete, how you doing? I said, hi. He said, it's Joe. I said, Joe who? Like I was supposed to know who it was because I didn't. And I said, oh, hey, Joe, how you doing? And 
So he proceeded to tell me, he said, I want to help you. I heard you're running for office. I want to help you. I said, well, what do we do? And he said, I don't know. We can do a lot of different things. He said, we can walk, uh, knock on doors, you know, that type of thing. Uh, I was smart enough to realize not to knock on doors with Joe Biden because he likes to talk and we wouldn't get very many doors done. So, so with that, I, uh, at that point, I, he, we talked about possibility of you know, just sitting down, having discussions about the issues. Uh, and then he said, oh, we can stand in front of the grocery store and, and you know, say hi to people. I said, that's it. That's what I want to do. So that's what we decided to do. So we took the date and uh, we showed up down at the uh, Long Neck intersection down by Potnets or in, in that area. And um, the we started to stand there and talk and talk to people and greet people coming in. And, and I, I knew very early on. I mean, I knew who Joe Biden was and I had had a conversation or two with him by that point. And I knew he he had this special ability about him that whenever he was talking to you, it was like you were the only person in the room. And uh, and very quickly, you know, when there'd be people walking all around us, and he would be talking straight to me, and, and it was like they weren't there. And so uh, he just made you makes you feel special when he talks to you, when he gets gets you close and, and talks to you, and you know, you just get the true Joe Biden at that point, and, and how much of an impact he has on people. So anyway, we're standing there. He has his back to the parking lot. I have my back to the store. Now, keep in mind, I am the sitting Delaware State Police Troop Commander at Troop 7 at the time. I was allowed, I was allowed to campaign um, as a trooper, not, not as a trooper, but I mean, while I was still employed by the state police, uh, with the idea that if I got elected, I would have to retire because it's a, it's a, it causes a problem in the separation of the powers between the legislative bodies. So, and I knew that. So I uh, went down there that day and, uh, we're sitting there, we were chatting, and this I looked up and I see this guy walking across the parking lot. And, you know, the, the police sense kicked in, and this guy was a, a kind of a dirty-looking guy. He had long hair. He had tattoos all over him. He looked like he'd just been, uh, you know, a full day's work someplace outside. And, and uh, just a hard-looking guy. And uh, I saw he looked up and he saw Joe uh, with his back turned to him, and he changed course, and he made a direct beeline for Joe Biden. And now the cops kicking in, and I'm I'm sitting there watching this guy. Joe's talking to me. I'm looking over his shoulder watching this guy. And I'm thinking I got I can't let him hurt Joe Biden. Uh, you know I, I I am I am the police down here. So uh, this guy comes up, and I'm thinking to myself, I, I've already assumed the combat stance. I'm ready to, to where I can grab him and take him off Joe if he tries to do anything. And with that, the guy reaches up, and I, I knew I had to let him touch him just to make sure. He touched Joe's shoulder, and Joe turned around and goes, Frank. How the heck are you? And he started talking, and I'm like, okay, I guess he's a friend. And he, he this guy, he turned around, and he says, "How's your wife? How, how's Lily doing?" And I'm making these names up now because I can't even remember the names what they were. But he knew, he knew this guy. He knew this guy's wife. He knew the kids, the, the kids' names, and everything. And he turned around, and he says, "Frank, I want to introduce you to, to the guy that's running for office down here." He said, "He'll be, he'll be your, uh, he'll be your representative when he gets elected." And he says, he said, uh, Pete, this is Frank so-and-so. And he goes, he said, he helped me get elected in 1972. And he said, he took me all over down here in Potnets and all, all around the place in this area to help me get votes. He said, my God, Frank, I haven't seen you since 1972. How the heck are you? And I was thinking to myself, here's a man who hasn't seen a guy in 30 years at that point. And he immediately I mean, he didn't have any notice. He didn't see this guy walking up to him. He turned his head and knew his name that fast. He not only knew that man's name, he knew his wife's name. He knew the kid's name. 
And I was sitting there thinking to myself, I can't remember names from day to day, let alone, you know, 30 years later. So, you know, it, it just taught me the the importance of, of making that, that connection and making that friendship and, uh, you know, being able to have that ability. And I, you know, I often told Joe, I said, you know, when, when you're talking about the BS pool, I said, you know, I think I've got a little bit attached to me, but I'm in the shallow end because you can talk to anybody. And and uh, I, I always told him he's, he's in the deep end of the BS pool. So, but uh, it was an interesting time. It was an interesting day. So, but yeah, that's, uh, that's Joe Biden. That's who he is. I've always thought of this is, is that as a police officer meeting somebody and handling some, whatever their issue is or whatever the problem is, you should leave them with the feeling that Joe Biden always left me with. And that was that you're the most important person to that person at that moment, at that time. Lots of good stories coming in. This time, we're talking to Majority Leader Valerie Longhurst. I believe you have a feel-good story to share with all of us, one that stands out in your mind as if it happened yesterday. What stands out to me about Joe Biden was when I first ran for public office. And at that time, Vice President Biden was the senator for the state of Delaware. He agreed to do a photo shoot with me so that I could use it on campaign literature. It was the first time I had actually met him. And when I was running for office, my girlfriend was a photographer and I needed photos. So she had agreed to do the photo shoot with us. So I met with um, Senator Biden at the time at a neighborhood, and my girlfriend called me and said, Val, I have a problem. And I'm like, what? And she said, I have to bring my, my, my one-year-old to the photo shoot. And I'm like, that's fine. Just go ahead and bring him, right? I know Carson, and I know her, and I'm like, he'll be fine. So she gets to the photo shoot, and we're taking all sorts of pictures, and Biden's smiling. Of course, I'm nervous. She's nervous because we're meeting the senator of the state of Delaware. And he was just the nicest, kindest person. But in between the shoots, Carson decides that he's not happy and he starts crying and, and doing what little children do. And she's like mortified trying to take care of him. And she's, you know, taking pictures of me and she took some single shots of me. And then all of a sudden, Carson stopped crying. We turned around and that then Senator Biden had picked up Carson, held him in his arms and was playing with him. And he went from like tears rolling down his face to being happy. They were looking at cars. He's like, mom, don't worry about it. You keep doing what you have to do. I got him. I've got Carson. And he held and played with Carson for about 20 minutes to let Laura take the pictures and me take the pictures. And Carson was all settled down, and after about 20 minutes, he put Carson down. He said, all right, let's go, Mom. Let's get some pictures. And everything and everything just went beautifully, but that just shows you the kindness, the unconditional type of empathy that he has. And it, it, was, it was a moment that, you know, I knew that Joe Biden was going to be my guy forever because he just made things so easy. And, you know, my girlfriend, he be, she's, I'll vote for him the rest of my life, she said. But it was, a, it was a moment that was really humbling to see that, you know, we do have politicians and we go different directions, but when somebody has a kind heart in their soul, 
they have a kind heart in their soul. And that's what he has. The idea of Biden taking baby Carson to comfort him is something to really remember. Well, I know his mom does quite frequent. That's one of her proudest moments and that she got to experience that. And she was just overwhelmed by Senator Biden, Vice President Biden at the time. And forever, we, we have those conversations about him all the time. And we share those stories with a lot of our friends about how he just picked up that child and just, you know, held him in his arms like it was his own kid and enjoyed it. And the little boy was laughing and giggling. They were counting cars. It was just, it was a nice moment. It was a very nice moment. A true human being is the best. Any other stories you'd like to share? Well, I mean, during that campaign season, I got to spend some time with him and we stood outside of a grocery store And again, he amazed me with the amount of people that he knew and the one-on-one relationships that he had. Every person that would walk up to the store, they were like, hey, Joe. Nobody called him Senator Biden. They just called him Joe. And, you know, he, Joe Biden would just sit there and talk to these people. He knew who their dogs were. He knew that their wife was sick or their grandmother. He knew every story about every individual. And is, is, is somebody just getting in the political arena is how important it is to get to know people and have a connection with people. And he is able to do that. And he has a history in Delaware that people have stories. He knows their stories. He asks them about their stories. And he's not looking to the next person. He's looking in their eyes and he's hearing them. He's feeling them. And there's a connection that he has with people that is just unbelievable in the state of Delaware. And I hope that, you know, in my career that I'm able to do what he has done. And, you know, he is definitely a true human being that really cares about people. And that's unique. That's unique. Three years ago, Biden made an emotional speech at the Chase Center after leaving office, after leaving Washington, D.C., and it was moving. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It, it. It is because, you know, you always have to remember where you came from, okay, and the people that brought you to the dance, and Delaware brought him to the dance. We were good to him. He's good to us, and he has deep roots in Delaware, and we're proud of Vice President Biden, and that's why we're all behind him because we know that deep down he is a good person who can bring people together and does care about people. And that's what our country is about, is about caring about everybody, not a party affiliation. And it doesn't stand. It doesn't matter where you stand, but it's who we all are. We all need help and we all need to be working together. And that's what makes America great. And he is the soul of our country and the soul of Delaware. And he always will be. Dr. Tony Allen, president of Delaware State University, joins us now on Whip Count. Is it safe to say you know Biden well? You worked for him in 1997 for several years as his speechwriter. Yes, I consider him and his family, my family. It's been a close relationship that I'm quite proud of. What memories or stories can you share with us as we dedicate this podcast to all things Biden? (laughs) <laughs> I like that. You know, there are lots of memorable stories, uh, but probably the two most notable were when 
then Senator Biden asked me to help his friend, uh, Jim Gilliam Sr., start the Urban League. So while I was there for about a year, I really spent my time on the senator's behalf, really working uh, with Jim Gilliam Sr. Uh, to help him start what I believe now is the most important civil rights group uh, in Delaware uh, for people of color. Had it not been for Senator Biden's uh, graciousness and uh, real empathic nature around people of color, I'm not sure that uh, the Urban League uh, would have started with the same level of energy. And I know that uh, his relationship with Jim, both junior and senior, meant, meant the world to him. So when he gave me that assignment, uh, it really actually changed uh, my life because later on, I actually uh, was the founding president of the Urban League under uh, Jim Sr.'s leadership. So that's the first one. And then the, the second one uh, relates to that. So while I was assisting, really as Senator Biden's special assistant, uh, Jim got the idea to want to hire me. And then Senator Biden wanted me to run his state office. So think about it this way. You know, I'm 29, 30. Uh, and I know how important uh, he was as a U.S. senator. So he brought me to his house twice. We spent probably four hours in total um, talking about uh, my options. And it was interesting at the end, he was the one that consulted me and said, you should go start the Urban League. Which I thought was pretty profound. Uh, one, because I didn't know how to tell someone of his stature and import, somebody I've admired for such a long time, no. Uh, and two, he knew what he was doing. You know, after having talked with me, really understanding my aspirations, knowing what Jim wanted to do, uh, he took it upon himself to say, this is where you need to be. And that was a defining moment for me. I don't think without that moment that I'm even here at Delaware State now. It sounds like the vice president invested in you at a very young age. Is that why you feel so compelled to do the same for others today? You know, when I think about it, when he hired me in 1997, I was a young father, recently back from grad school, trying to go ahead to get my doctoral degree, uh, but trying to balance this notion of going to school and providing for my family. And uh, him opening that door uh, really opened my eyes. And when I look up on it now, and particularly when he started as a U.S. senator, that he effectively, after a tragedy, became a young father and had to deal uh, with all those nuances of being a senator and providing for his family. While it's not the same, uh, it is quite inspiring uh, that he gave me an opportunity, having probably had some similar experiences. So it really is uh, special in that way. And since that time, as I've said many times, I've really gotten to know the entire Biden family. was very close uh, with Bo Biden. Um, certainly still am close with Hunter and Ashley. So I just think of those people as uh, salty earth, good people uh, with authentic lives uh, who understand uh, the American people in a much different way uh, than many people. Any funny stories you like to share? Any funny stories? Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, there's probably a ton of funny stories. I mean, he, <laughs> I remember, you know, I was, I was the quote unquote speechwriter uh, as one of my assignments. And I remember I thought I wrote a great speech and uh, was very excited to give it to him. 
I don't even know where we were going, but rode in the car uh, while he began to sort of review it. And there on these indexes, really big index cards he liked to use. And I remember he read them, made a lot of notes on each of them as to how he might ad lib, et cetera. And then when we got to the event, he got on the stage, handed the speech to me, and then said whatever he was going to say. And it went and won. It was a great speech. And I remember uh, other people saying, uh, you know, that was a really terrific speech, Tony. Good job. Good job. And and I took full credit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that that was a lot of the experience, sort of really understanding how great an orator uh, he is, and uh, just being being able to be in the room and be connected in that way uh, always was amusing to me. But I, I I learned a lot, but I laughed a lot. From the Democratic Party state leadership, we have Sean Finnegan, who's also the chief of staff for the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Sean, your titles alone make me feel like you have something inspiring to share. Tell us about the first time you met Vice President Biden. I I may have met him before this time, but I remember distinctly in eighth grade, my class, at uh, St. Edmunds, went to Washington, D.C. for an overnight trip, and they took us over to the Senate. And I remember we sat outside for some reason. I'm not really sure why. They had us sit outside of the Senate office buildings on the steps, and Senator Biden came out at the time and, and spent, I think, probably two hours talking to a bunch of eighth-grade boys about what was going on in Washington and and what was happening. And I remember after that, the Senate office sent everyone, we did a group photo and the Senate office sent a picture back to everyone in the class and they was all signed by, you know, to Sean from Joe Biden and everything like that. Many, many, many years later, fast forward uh, to two years ago and at Christmas time, my mom gave me a gift and I opened it and it was this picture that we had found, or my, that she had found cleaning out my bedroom, my childhood bedroom, and she had gotten it framed for me, and my parents have a love of politics, and that's where I got my love of politics, probably, from them, and so I, I now have that pi- picture in my office in Dover, which is always strikes up a good conversation when, when people stop by my office to uh, chat, and they look around, and they see that picture there, and you can look in the back of that picture somewhere and see Sean Finnegan in eighth grade from his class trip to Washington, D.C. And I, I think about that now a lot and think how many you know, kids my age or people my age now that had met Senator Biden at the time or had gotten that picture sent to them in the mail and have that maybe hanging up in their house or in their office or maybe it's stowed away in a drawer somewhere or something like that. And so... It certainly made an impression on me, and uh, it's something I'll never forget, probably. And I don't think many of my classmates at the time will forget it either. Representative Stephanie T. Bolden joins us now. I'm sure as a Wilmingtonian, you have lots of stories to share. It seems like everyone has more than one story to tell. As I attended Mass this past Saturday, Uh, At my home church, which is St. Joseph's Catholic Church, located downtown Wilmington on Front Street, 
And as I was parking where I normally park, a police officer approached me and asked if I could move my car back farther. So I wondered why. And then he indicated to me that the vice president, former Vice President Biden, was going to be attending mass here at St. Joseph's. So I just thought how amazing because St. Joseph is the oldest black Catholic church in Delaware. And I do know that, that the former vice president's church is St. Joseph on the Brandywine. So I immediately went inside to notify our priest uh, because our father McVeigh, who is our normal priest, was away. And unfortunately, the, our visiting priest was doing a confessional for confession. So at this point, I approached uh, Deacon Bob, and we were all elated uh, to have him come to our Mass. So at the beginning of Mass, there he was, wearing his Mass, as all of us were as well. And we had been prepared for social distancing, and we always have sanitizing bottles in each pew. What was amazing was the Scripture. The Scripture was from Philippians 4. 69, which talks about being honorable, true, just, pure, lovely, and gracious. And this scripture, to me, was so appropriate for the day that he selected to come to St. Joseph's. And as the two last sentences read of this scripture, it states, keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. And this is what former Vice President Joe Biden will bring to the people. How important is it to you as a legislator to have someone always interested in coming back home, someone in such a high position? Well, I, I think we're spoiled here in Delaware because he, as indicated, he's always around. Uh, you can be at, at a meeting and he shows up. You can be at a dinner like the NAACP annual dinners. They don't know he's coming. And then he shows up. Uh, I had the privilege also as a teacher at Christiana High School when he came and he spoke to our students, which was amazing to me because you, if you're a high school teacher and with high school kids, Normally, if you have a guest speaker, somebody always has to get up to go to the bathroom. This was the first time in history that I have ever seen every kid stayed there the entire time to listen to him speak. And they were just very much involved in, in his conversation and what he was saying. And I, I thought that was just truly amazing at that time. So he's, he's always been there. We've been spoiled by seeing him. And I hope that we'll continue to see him as he becomes president. Now I'm joined by Dick Carter, who has worked for the Delaware State Senate as a staff member for many, many years, 33 years to be exact. Tell us a memorable story you'd like to share. I actually have a couple of stories, but I will start with this. I first met Joe uh, and his first wife, Nelia, back in 1972 during his first campaign for the United States Senate. I was then working as a, a young uh, 
editor slash reporter for a weekly newspaper in Sussex County, which is where I'm from. And uh, in the course of covering the campaign, I, I met the Bidens and was very uh, favorably impressed by them. The thing that really stands out in my memory about Joe Biden and always will took place in 1983. My family suffered the tragic loss of our 13-year-old, my stepson. And in the days that followed his death, we got this beautiful handwritten note card from Joe Biden, whom I didn't really know all that well, uh, expressing his condolences and talking in, in his note about his own loss of his first wife and his baby daughter. And I remember thinking at that time, I don't care what this guy runs for for the rest of his life. He's got my vote. Little did I know, of course, that he was going to be running for the United States, or for the president of the United States. But so that was a pretty amazing experience. And it was an experience that had nothing whatsoever to do with politics. It had to do with a decent, decent man reaching out to help those in need. Sounds like you're saying Biden is much more than the titles that he's held. That is absolutely true. And the thing about it that's so important is that, that I was not somebody could, that could do anything for Joe Biden. I couldn't help him. Uh, he, got, he gained nothing politically by reaching out to my family, but he did. You know, this is amazing stuff. And, you know, you think about where we are as a nation right now, and I hate to say what we have serving, so-called serving us in the White House, and you put that up against a man like Joe Biden, who is so caring and so decent and genuine. I mean, it's it's almost like a story out of the Bible or something. I don't mean to get too too dramatic about it, but you know, it really does make you think. This is not something that, that you would normally expect a politician to do. I think his entire life has prepared him for the moment that where we are today. Home is uh, where your character is etched. It's uh, where your values are shaped and where your view of uh, the world is formed for all of us, every one of us in here. My character, my value, my view of the world, it all comes from this state and all of you. Margaret Aiken, founder of Aiken Communications in Wilmington, Delaware, served as spokesperson and press secretary for then-United States Senator Joe Biden from 1997 to 2008. She also advised and prepared Vice President Biden for everything, pretty much from interviews to public events. Any memorable stories you'd like to share with us, Margaret? Oh, boy, I have 
<laughs> how many hours is this podcast? <laughs> I have, a, you know, I have so many. I mean, there's a couple that kind of stick out for me. So I was with him on 9-11, actually, when literally with him on 9-11. And the, the first plane, I was in D.C., and the first plane, you know, went into the tower. And nobody really at that point knew what was going on. And Joe Biden was actually on the train going to D.C. And, you know, our chief of staff called him and told him what was going on. By the time he got into D.C., it was clear that we were under attack. And at that point, there was still an airplane up in the air, and they had no idea. I mean, they knew it was coming for D.C. That was the one that actually crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. But they they knew it was coming to D.C., but they didn't know if it was coming for the Capitol, the White House. They had no idea. So they literally closed the Capitol down. They, they evacuated all of our buildings and closed the Capitol down. And I have this, this really, really clear memory of then-Senator Biden. He wanted to get on the Senate floor and to give a speech. And he, he wanted the rest of the world to see that our government was not shutting down. He thought that was extremely important that they see that we're still operational and up and running because I think if you remember at that time, the president, President Bush, was in Florida and he was en route back and Vice Ch President Cheney was at an undisclosed location. So I think Senator Biden, he just felt like it was an extremely important thing that the world know, yes, we're under attack, but we're still functioning. And I remember him walking up the steps of the Capitol. I was with him. And this poor Capitol Police officer, he must have been like, you know, 20 years old. Biden said, I'm going to go on the Senate floor and I'm going to give a speech. And I, he said, nobody else has to be in there. And I don't care. I just the, the world needs to see that we're still running. And this police officer looked so nervous. And he said, I can't let you go on the floor. He's like, I'm sorry, we have to close this building down. And, and literally the only thing that convinced him not to go there is he said, and also, you know, I'd have to be in there with you. And I think at that point, Joe Biden thought, well, I don't want to put anybody else in danger, you know, because they didn't know where the planes were coming. But I just was so impressed by his, his calmness during that time. He was stopping people. There was so much chaos in the streets of D.C. He was stopping people saying, we're going to be okay. And, you know, just that, that whole week period after, you know, after the towers went down and you know, there was just so much chaos and nobody knew what was going on. And I was so utterly impressed by his leadership. I mean, he gave our staff this really stirring speech about the strength and resilience of the United States. And I remember thinking, boy, I wish my mom could hear that. You know, like he's just... It was just really incredible to, to listen to, and it was incredible to watch. And I really think that's the kind of leader that he is. It's instinctive to him. It's something that is very natural, and he is just he's very compassionate and concerned. And, you know, he's, he, he's showing the same kind of leadership now in terms of wearing the mask. And, you know, social distancing. I mean, here, here you've got the president of the United States making fun of him for doing the right thing, which is super, super bizarre to me. But, I mean, I think he's a leader. And, and leaders, leaders do, and they, they show people what to do. And I think he has shown that throughout his career, his leadership. You can obviously tell I'm a huge Joe Biden fan. And I think that says a lot about the man. I mean, I don't know a lot of people who could work for somebody for for 
11 years, almost 11 years, 10 years, and, and like them even more, you know, after they worked for them. I mean, I, I've seen him, I worked so closely with him, and I just truly believe that he is the only person right now that can sort of restore us to what we need to get back to. I mean, I have so much hope and confidence. I have 100% confidence that when he gets in there, he's just going to turn around the trajectory of this country right now. And I think he's going to do it not by being an island, but by, you know, pulling in the best and the brightest like he's always done. And, you know, for the first time in a really long time, I feel very hopeful about this country. Representative Gerald Brady is now with us to share some of his most memorable stories and interactions with Vice President Joe Biden. How long have you known Biden? I have known Joe Biden since uh, 1972, the year that he ran for uh, county council. So tell us your favorite story to share with others. I know you have at least one. Well, I have I have several, but I'll start with the uh, the highlighter. Uh, it, the year was 1977. I was a sophomore at uh, King's College in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, which is just below Scranton. And as the date approached, um, March the 17th, which was St. Patrick's Day, I had traditionally returned to Wilmington to attend an event that my mom held each year at the Gold Ballroom on St. Patrick's Day. So that morning, St. Patrick's Day, which is the 17th, my best friend and I, we load up our duffel bags, hit, hit the main highway, and hitchhike out of town. This is the 70s, of course. So. And we hitchhike down here to Wilmington, get cleaned up, and go to the event in the hotel. And during the course of the evening, uh, of course, Senator Biden and all the um, elected officials were generally in attendance. And uh, during the cocktail hour, my mom tells me over and she says, Gerald, I want you to meet Senator Biden again. Uh, I was just telling him that you attend, you're attending King's College. And so he immediately responds by saying, well, Jerry, I'm, I'm just happen to be going up to King's or up to Wilkes-Barre uh, tomorrow evening to speak at the Friendly Sons Dinner. And I said, well, I'm fully aware of that. And we had to rearrange our event. And, and, you know, acknowledgement of your schedule. And he said, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And we continued a little bit of conversation. And, um, you know, the evening went on. And at one point, just before he was leaving the event, he comes over to me and he says, hey, I've been thinking about this. You said, he, you said that you had come down today from Wilkesboro. When and how are you returning? So I'm going to hitchhike like I did to get down here. And he said, no, you're not. Call this number. So he hands me his business card. And sure enough, the next morning, um, I called this number, which was his office. So about, uh, about an hour later, I get a phone call from this young lady. And she said, Mr. Brady, I apologize. The senator wishes for you to be at the Wilmington Airport. You'll be flying down to Washington to pick up the senator. And then you'll be flying out of Washington up to Avoca which is the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Airport. He had made these arrangements for us to have a little little snack, a little lunch at the airport while we waited. He had to be down there for a particular vote. And uh, sure enough, we meet the senator. 
we get back in the airplane, we take off. Uh, the next thing you know, the rain, it was raining at the time, and that rain, we're up in the mountains now, that rain turns to a pretty heavy wet snow, so we get out, and you could just barely see. Well, sure enough, there was a motorcade that had come out to the tarmac to meet the senator, and at, at that point, I was just prepared to walk through the, uh, the terminal and, and get back on the road in the, in the snow, heavy wet snow, Yet I hear this voice saying, Mr. Brady, come with us. And it turns out to be a state, uh, state trooper who was, who was head of the motorcade. He said, the senator would like for you to, uh, to ride along with me, and we'll get you back to, back to Wilkesboro. I said, well, that's, that's great. I'm not going to turn it down. So sure enough, now I'm in the motorcade taking this, the senator down to, to Wilkesboro, and we arrive at the hotel. And the police officer who I'd, I'd begun to converse with, and we had made a couple of, you know, common contacts. And he said, uh, hey, listen, just hold on. Once we get done the, the official detail, he said, I can drive you over to the dormitory, which is just a couple blocks away. So sure enough, he drives me over to the dormitory. And as I said, it was snowing. So it's a Friday evening. And, uh, you know, all the, all the, all my buddies were outside either in a snowball fight or uh, getting ready to party. It was a Friday. And I come pulling up in a Pennsylvania State Troopers car with my duffel bag. And I get out of the car. I thank the, the officer. And all of my friends start yelling at me, saying to me, oh, look, Brady Brady got pulled over, you know, got tagged by the troopers for hitchhiking. And I immediately responded by saying, no, you don't understand. I, my, my state senator just flew me back from Wilmington to Washington, from Washington to Avoca, from Avoca to the to the, um, the dormitory here. And they just burst out laughing. And to this day, most of uh, some of my friends still doubt the fact that I didn't get hit, picked up for hitchhiking. And instead, I, you know, had uh, been escorted by Joe Biden, or, you know, back to college. So. From that day forward, he, he and I, you know, have shared that uh, that remembrance, and um, it was just something that I certainly will, will never ever forget. I think it's pretty neat that you met Biden while you were just a college kid, eventually crossed paths with his son Bo, and then you became a public servant yourself, first as a city councilman in Wilmington and now a state representative. It's almost as if you guys were destined to cross paths. There was, yeah, there was always the opportunity for a, a connection just simply by their activities, the Bidens, and of course, anyone else in Delaware. As we always say, in Delaware, there's only two degrees of separation. So, the, you know, there was always going to be the opportunity to either meet the Bidens or to work with them somehow in some capacity. And it was always, always extremely benevolent. Thank you for joining us. Brian McGlinchey, former senior staff member under then-Senator Joe Biden. So tell us, you are very familiar with the Biden family. What stories would you like to share? Well, first of all, thank you very much for, for having me on. I've had the pleasure of knowing the Biden family for four decades now. And I think, you know, one of the best stories I can share about Joe that I think really crystallizes the kind of person he is, 
is one time we were traveling to an event, uh, and it was actually in New Jersey, and the button popped off his suit. And, you know, Joe was uh, the kind of guy who never asked staff to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. And that's um, that's a rare commodity in, in Washington, in, in Congress. So I was there, and I asked him if I could, you know, take care of it for him. He waved me off, and he went up to the front desk and the hotel, which he was speaking, and he asked for a mending kit. Next thing you know, he, he grabbed the little mending kit and found his way in the lounge in a very corner spot and uh, proceeded to sew the button back on himself. Seems like a small thing, but it, what it really is is indicative of the character that represents Joe Biden. Everything from the way that he interacted with the young woman at the desk, asking for the kit, no big fanfare, no panic, just sat in the corner, did it himself. And that's the way Joe is. You know, the, the Joe that you see on TV uh, is the person that he is. And he's always exemplified those kind of characteristics throughout his career. I can truly imagine him sitting there trying to sew a button. <laughs> I'm sure we've all had that experience, right? You're out and about and well put together. And then something happens to throw your day off. Your zipper breaks. Your button falls off. It's just like, what is going on? Exactly. And it, and it sounds like such a, a ridiculous story to tell. But what it really does is offer incredible insight into it. Uh, number one, you know, average Joe, you know, one of us. Number two, you know, no fanfare. You know, this wasn't the end of the world. He just he just took the bull by the horns, did it what every other ordinary person would do. Didn't expect uh, anything, you know, from anyone else. And it's, it just it gives you incredible insight. It's just a small window into the man himself. And I think I think it's a story everybody can relate to. So, Anything else you'd like to share? Part one of Delawareans sharing Biden stories aired already, and one listener who's from out of state said, I don't even know who these people are, and I am touched by their stories. Joe always had a good sense of humor. But, you know, his trademark really has been persevering through adversity. And, you know, I can remember on 9-11, you know, September 11th, when all that transpired. And he made a return back to the Wilmington District Office, which stayed open all night that night, answering constituent inquiries, making sure that people felt safe. And he visited with the staff, and he sat the entire staff down, you know, and he talked to the staff about how important it was that we reaffirm constituents. And actually, in that case, it was the American people. Because of Joe's national standing, we would get calls all over the place. Uh, and the Washington office was not open, as you can imagine, about reaffirming that things are going to be okay. And I think that's especially appropriate today. You know, what Joe offers is a 
steady hand in the wheel, experienced, reasoned, calm, reassuring, and it was that exact demeanor. Those are the hallmarks of the leader, and that is what Joe has exemplified today. And I'm humbled by the trust and confidence you've placed in me. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify, who doesn't see red states and blue states, only sees the United States. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dehousedems, on Twitter at dehousedems, on Instagram also at dehousedems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.